is what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks here, over this Christmas season um, together at, at Connect Church, is we're going to be talking about hope. And when you think about the word hope, what comes to mind for you? When you think about hope, what, what sort of, of, of things come to mind for you? Because this world that we are living in now, with the things that are happening in this world, people are looking for hope. This world is looking for hope. We're looking for answers. We're looking to be rescued. People are, are looking to be told that everything is going to be okay. The vaccine, however you feel about that, one way or the other, is a little, giving a little bit of that to some people, I think. However, that putting our, our hope in something like that isn't really where we should be putting our hope in. Because this world really is looking for that. And when we think about hope, and you look at the word hope and, and what that means to you, I think uh, a, f- a few things come to mind when we talk about how we look at the word hope as, as humans, as people. There, there's the blind optimism piece of that, right? Just the, the, the complete blind optimism. You know, hey, the Browns are winning going into the fourth quarter, so we must be doing good. And then we remember that it's Cleveland and probably isn't going to happen um, because there's still time left on the clock. Although we've been doing better at that this year, haven't we? But we'll see. We're still the Browns. But we've got blind optimism in certain areas of our life. Um, and then there's also like the wishful thinking piece of hope, right? Like I, I really hope I win the lottery. Um, that kind of wishful thinking of, of hope. And these kinds of hope though, both of those kinds of hope will let you down. If, if that's all you look at for hope, both of those things will let you down. But biblical hope, biblical hope is sure. Biblical hope is the kind of hope that is absolute and, and certain and, and really thrilling when you get a grip on it. And so that's why we're going to be talking about a thrill of hope over the, over the next couple of weeks. As it, I'm sure you know that line from the song, um, O Holy Night, A Thrill of Hope, The Weary World Rejoices. And when we define hope, when you look at the actual definition of hope, it's a feeling of expectation and desire for certain things to happen, a feeling of trust. That's, that's hope. And so a thrill of hope would be the excitement of what is to come, the, the, the positives that we're looking forward to, the anticipation of something better. A lot of us are looking for that, right? This whole world is looking for that. We have this anticipation of something better. We alluded to that a little bit when we talked about going back to normal. I think a lot of people are still hoping that we can go back to normal um, in that regard. But we all need that right now. We all need that thrill of hope. And the thing is, God has been sitting there with it the entire time. God has been sitting there with it the entire time. And I would suggest that based on the word of God and based on the things that we've seen God do, not only over these last eight months, but, but even going into this Christmas season, and I believe some of the things that we will see him do even in the next couple of weeks, that the true purpose of Christmas, the true purpose of Christmas is to bring us hope. If you really look at the way in which God did things by, by the way in which he sent Jesus, and, and all of the things that happened there, and we're going to look at some of those things today, I would suggest that the reason he did it the way he did is to bring hope, is to bring us hope. Hope is that optimistic state of mind. It's that optimistic state of mind that, is being, um, that, that puts us in an, in an expectation of positive things and positive outcomes that are based on events and circumstances in somebody's life and in the world at large. And if you look at, at the word as a verb, it, is, it really talks about to expect with confidence. 
and a, a desire with anticipation. And so if you have your Bibles, I want to look at Matthew chapter 1. If you have uh, the Bible app, you can certainly flip there. And we're going to look at Matthew chapter 1, and we're going to look at the first 15 verses of Matthew chapter 1 for just a minute. And when you look at that, it looks like this. And this is all of it in, in, in one thing, and I did this for a reason, because a lot of times when you look at Matthew chapter 1, if you've ever just opened to Matthew chapter 1, and you start reading the first book of the New Testament, a lot of people will skip all of this. And I kind of understand why, because there's a lot of names in here I'm not going to try to pronounce that I know I would completely wreck if I did, but there is some amazing stuff in here that we blow right by, because we usually just skip down, and we're going to get to those verses here in a second. But this is the genealogy of Jesus. That's what this is. It says, the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now notice it talks about the son of David. This is important. I'm not going to spend forever on it, so don't, don't think that this is like the whole message today. It's not. It's important to, to see why this is here, okay? But he goes through, Abraham was, a, was the father of Isaac, the father of Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers, and Perez and other names that I don't want to try to pronounce, all the way down, and then it starts with uh, Jesse, the father of King David. Important thing here. Um, King David, the father of Solomon, um, and all of that all the way down. And there are various people in here that are important in the Old Testament as you go through it, okay? And, and we get all the way down through all of this, and, and, it's, and it's taking you all the way through the genealogy of him. Why? Why, why did Matthew start here? Why is, this, why is this a big deal? Why am I starting here? Well, let me go back to the Old Testament for just a second. I want to I just show you a few verses in the Old Testament that make this a big deal and to why the hope of Christmas is baked into this right now. Take a look at um, 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter 7 says this, The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood. And I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Okay, so what we just read right there is the first uh, well, the earliest scripture about the Messiah coming from the line of David. And as we know of the Luke 2, because he was of the house and lineage of David, that was a big deal. This is a big deal. And so this is the earliest verse in scripture. Now, Jesus was prophesied way before then in scripture. Actually, all the way back to Genesis, he was prophesied then that the Messiah would come. But this is the earliest where it talks about him coming from the line of David. And then if you go on to Isaiah chapter 11... It says, out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. Yes, a new branch. Notice the capital B on branch. That, that makes a difference. Bearing fruit from the old root. And the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. So we see aspects and characteristics of Jesus right in here already. When it talks about the spirit uh, the Spirit coming, uh, coming to rest on him. That's something that's even said in the book of John about him. And then let's move on to, to Jeremiah 23 as we're moving further into the Old Testament for just a second. For the time is coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up a righteous descendant from King David's line. He will be a king who rules with wisdom and he will do what is just and right throughout the land. And this will be his name. The Lord is our righteousness. And that day Judah will be saved 
and Israel will live in safety. Now, think about this. Growing up, say, in, in those times and in, in, in first century, as, as a Jewish person, you would understand these verses. You would, un, you would have a full understanding of why this is a big deal as to the line of David and why the Messiah, why, why this all makes sense. Like you grow up with this as part of your culture. It's what you know. And so when you see this genealogy that's dropped in the beginning of Matthew, and then you see this verse in Matthew 16, if we go back to that, this is the last verse in that genealogy. It says, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Oh, right now we've got like, we're, we're in the full headspace of why there is hope in those first 15 verses that we usually just skip past. But it's there because Matthew starts here. The reason he starts there is to validate the hope that Jesus brings because our hope isn't based on wishful thinking or blind optimism. A thrill of hope is in the promises of God. A thrill of hope is in the promises of God. And this was a big deal. This, was, this genealogy and all of this, this was a big deal then and it's a big deal now. And the story of Christmas though has unfortunately been watered down and turned into kind of just this same old story. Yeah, we know Jesus came and he was born in a manger and da, 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 da. Like that's almost kind of the way that it's looked at anymore, isn't it? But it's not because the hope of Christmas, it's not a false hope and it's not a fairy tale for, for adults or wishful thinking or something like that. It is a solid foundation. It's a solid foundation and, it, and it's something that we can rest in and that we can hold on to because it's not just a story. I'll tell you what it is. It's, it's the most precisely executed plan in the history of precisely executed plans. That's really what it is. And, and you can take it to the bank because God loves us that much. And I think one of the things that we've lost sight of is how clutch God really is here. How clutch this, this really was and is. Paul knew it. Paul knew it in Romans 15. Look what he says. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. And so that includes what was the genealogy and what was written there and everything in the history of that. So that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. We might have hope because of that. What was written in the past to teach us and encourage us, and it gives us hope. So now, with that entire framework together, let's read with the story because we understand the hope that we have. So let's go back to Matthew here for a second in verse 18. Now the story begins. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. And so the betrothal, as part of the culture there, the betrothal that, that happens takes place over the course of a year. And then there's the marriage. But he was still considered her husband during that first year, that betrothal part. And so he kind of had the option to divorce her. He had the option there, but he didn't take it. And he was thinking about it. He had to definitely be like conflicted and, and thinking through it, but 
he had to find it difficult to believe her when she came to him and said, here's what's going on. He, 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 he had to find that a little difficult, but he wanted to handle it in a tender way. He wanted to handle it in, in, in a way that wouldn't maybe destroy, completely destroy her reputation and, and her, quite frankly, her life was at stake here. So Joseph was a moral man, but he also showed mercy, and you got to love him for that, because most people are one or the other, but he was both. Joseph probably, as I mentioned, felt pretty hopeless, pretty conflicted, because his whole world had just gotten ripped apart. He was probably thinking, awesome, I met this girl, we're about to get married, yay, and then she drops this on him. He's like, well, okay, now what, you know, and he was... He was probably thinking, am I being punished for like being a good guy here? Like, what's going on? So he's definitely conflicted. He's definitely wrestling with what to do here. So let's read on. Verse 20. It says, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David. See how, see how the angel addresses him? Son of David. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. That was a big deal. The angel refers to him as the son of David, which is an important reference, referencing back to the hope that we have because of the genealogy of all of that. And it almost seems like maybe Mary didn't tell him right away that, that this was uh, you know, a pregnancy from the Holy Spirit. Um, I don't know how you would explain that to somebody. Um, I don't know. For, for those of you, uh, you know, girls, women, how, like, how would you really explain that? You know what I mean? To, to go to, like, the, the guy that you're dating and, and say, yeah, so here's the thing. Um, he's, <laughs> he's not going to look at you probably the same anymore after that moment. Um, but we don't really know. We don't know if she told him beforehand or if this is really how he found out. Um, but then he's told to give him the name Jesus. Now, Jesus was a very common name back then. Not very common now. And the angel says, and he will save his people from their sins. When the angel said that, that was a big deal. That was a messianic statement. He knew what that meant. Joseph knew exactly what that meant when the angel said that. He's like, here we go. Here we go. Because he, he then, as, as we'll read on here in a second, he's ready to go after that. Let's keep reading. He says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home, his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So he wakes up. He wakes up from this. Isaiah is quoted in here. The book of Isaiah is quoted in here. So referencing that Old Testament with you know, what he grew up knowing um, as a Jewish guy, but he wakes up with this renewed passion and, and purpose and really a thrill of hope because of what he knew and what he was being told, and everything was lining up, and he could see it. Now, the New Testament was written in Greek. Um, I don't know if you know that, but it was. And Jesus is his name in the Greek. And there is hope in the name of Jesus. 
There is hope in the name of Jesus. But I want to I go back to the Old Testament for just a quick second and, and show you something very cool. Because in the Old Testament, we, we see Moses. And when Moses chooses his successor, the person that is to take over from him and take the people into the promised land, his name was Joshua. He chooses Joshua. And now Moses, he represented the law. Moses represents the law, and, and he was not able to lead the people into the promised land. He wasn't able to do it. The law doesn't save us. Our Savior, Jesus, saves us. And so the responsibility was given to Joshua to take the people into the promised land. And I want you to see the parity here between Old Testament and New Testament because it's so cool. Because the law can't bring people to the promised land. The law points out that we are sinners who need a Savior, and we can't save ourselves from our sin, and we can't take ourselves into the promised land. And so Joshua is the one that takes him into the promised land. Joshua is a Hebrew name. Do you know how to say Joshua in Greek? Jesus. How cool is that? The, the way that the Bible just all comes together, like literally got goosebumps when I said that. There is hope in the name of Jesus. There is hope in the name of Jesus. The way that God lines things up is so amazing. And you see it over and over and over again in scriptures. And that's why as Christians, we don't just hope so, we know so. We don't just hope so, we know so. We don't have a hope so hope. We have a know so hope. And there's a big difference there. Because the Christian faith, it's not a hope so hope. It's a no so. It's not, it's not like the hope of the world that disappoints us because the hope of the world will disappoint you every time. But rather, this is a hope that is anchored in God and in the word of God and in, and in the God who can do all things. And you have to know that and believe that. And the word of God re reemphasizes that and reinforces that over and over and over and over. Look at Romans 15:13. Paul says this, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. See, that's no so. That's not hope so. As you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, the world's definition of hope, it's based on circumstances. It's based on circumstances, and, and it's based on situations. And as believers, a believer's definition of hope is based on the person of Jesus. Jesus is our hope. Jesus is the hope of Christmas, and he is the reason that we celebrate. He is the reason we can look forward and have hope. He is the reason for that. And that's why the connection point for the morning is this, is that we have a reason for hope because of Jesus. We have a reason for hope. I've, I've gone through some things today to, to show you some of the actual like historical and, and you know, reasons that we have for that. Because if, if you talk to people that are of... Um, you know, that, that study things like this, that are scholars that know this, they will tell you how, how much we can trust in the authenticity of the scriptures. In a genealogy like that, you want to, as I was saying earlier, you want to talk about the most intricate plan in the history of plans. One person off and it doesn't work. There is hope 
in Jesus. There is hope in the name of Jesus, and it's not just a hope-so hope. It is a no-so hope, and it's the greatest gift that you can give and it's to, to someone by sharing the hope that you have in you, and it's the greatest gift that you'll ever receive. And if you've received that gift, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I hope that this reinvigorates you and it excites you for this season because, yeah, we're living in what are considered down times right now by all of us. But, but as believers, we have the hope of Jesus that should lift us up regardless of what is going on. Because we have a no-so hope, not just a hope-so hope. Look at this verse in 1 Peter 3. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord and always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. There is, I, can, I can't remember another time in my lifetime at least. I'm only 41. But I can't remember another time where it's been easier to share the hope of Jesus with people because people are looking for it. We are also looking for it, but in a completely different way because we're followers of Jesus. And so our hope is in the person of Jesus, or at least it should be. But there is a world of people out there that are looking for hope, and they're looking for the reason for the hope that you have. And we have a reason for hope. We have a reason for hope, and his name is Jesus. And he has not gone anywhere, and he is still in control, and he always will be in control. And if you don't have that hope right now, man, what better gift could you receive at Christmas than the hope of Jesus in your life for the rest of your life? Because that hope can start right now and last forever. Will you bow your heads with me? If you don't have that hope, if you don't have hope in eternal life and you don't even have hope in this world right now, maybe you're putting your hope in the wrong things. Maybe you're putting your hope in stuff and, and in circumstances instead of putting your hope in the Savior, putting your hope in Jesus. You have a reason for the hope that is in you. And his name is Jesus. And we can share that with the world. But if you don't have that hope, all you need to do is repent and turn from your sin, turn from where you were, and you turn around and you realize that Jesus has been standing there the whole time with that hope, with his arms open and just fall into his arms. Repent of your sin, turn to him. Admit that you're a sinner, believe that he is who he said he was because he is. Ask him to come into your life and to save you. And you can do that right where you are, right now. If you want more information about that and you're watching online, you can go to connectchurch.xyz next. Or you could even respond if you're in the chat right now and I know that somebody would, would love to talk with you and even pray with you over the chat. And if you're here and you wanna know more about that, I would just beg you to not walk out of this place without getting that straight with the Lord today. I'd love to talk with you and pray with you. Somebody at the orange wall I know can as well. Jesus, I love you and I thank you so much for the hope that we have in you. Father, I thank you that we can trust you completely. Lord, that we're not just having, we're, we're not just in a place of, of hoping so, Lord, but we know so because of, because of you and because of what you've done and even because of the evidence and the reasons that you've given us for faith that are just so clear. 
over and over and over in scripture and in this world. God, you're, you've been so clear. And so, Father, I pray if there's one watching, if there's one here that doesn't know you as Savior, Lord, I pray that they would take the opportunity that they have right now to ask you to come into their life and save them. And that eternal life can start right now and last forever, Lord, and that they can, they can walk in the newness of life. Lord, for us, I pray that if we maybe are looking to other things for our hope to remember the reason that we have hope is in you, not in stuff, not in circumstances, not in vaccines, not in whatever. Because Lord, it all is just whatever compared to you. Remind us today where our hope truly lies and that is in you, Jesus. We thank you. We praise you. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. 